Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome to another episode of the Pod Control Podcast. Uh, hey, Brian, uh, how's it going? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we, we just went through the third anniversary of, of Kubernetes. Um, I was I was happy because we got to the third year, and I was also happy because the community didn't spend all sorts of time having like birthday parties. Which <laughs> I was uh, going to say, did did you have shirts and 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 uh, no. cakes? And, and I was happy. Yeah, and I was I, there was a couple. I think there was some stuff at OzCon, but other than that, I was happy to see that we didn't make that big of a deal out of a, a three year old birthday. So, um, but yeah, things are good. I uh, I actually spent some time yesterday with a customer who is uh, looking into Windows containers with Kubernetes. So I've been uh, learning a bunch about sort of all the nuances of not just what's in Windows. You know, like what do you have to do uh, in the Kubernetes project, but then all the other places that, that things touch Windows containers. So it was a good good learning experience. Yeah, it's I think. Um I mean, we, we've we've done episodes on it before, and definitely check them out if you're interested in Windows containers. But the one little thing I always say is, don't assume something you know on the on the Linux container side is the same automatically on the Windows container side. Yep, and that that was basically the whole whiteboard was like, look, uh, Linux containers, you know, the the thing that is containers in Linux has been there for ten years, and in Windows, it's been there for like a year ish. So you know, just trying to explain to people like isolation and compatibility and, you know, networking isn't part of it. So there's, there's things as part of networking. There's, you know, just even little things like, you know, how will the kubelet for windows be distributed since it's part of an open source license and there's no open source license part of the windows server and who will distribute it and how will it be distributed and supported and all those sort of little nuancey things that, you know, go exactly to what you said, like don't make any assumptions about windows containers, not that they're bad, just don't everything you know about Linux containers, don't just assume they're going to be there in Windows containers. Like trust but verify type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the best way is, yeah, it's 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 really good new technology, but uh, yeah, don't assume anything. <laughs> right, right. So didn't mean to get off on a rant there, but uh, was was yesterday was an interesting day in the in, in sort of my world of dealing with Kubernetes. So um, well, listen, I thought what we maybe we could talk about because we, you know, the last couple of shows have been kind of, uh, I don't know, retrospective or what's going on. We talked about 111. Uh, we had a chance to talk about that, you know, kind of milestone stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the three-year anniversary of Kubernetes came along. There was a lot of really good blog posts about it, people looking back at what happened. And um, I thought maybe what we could do is, is spend some time not only looking at what works and the community around it, but also maybe look forward at, at where it's going and, and just give people a sense of, you know, like I spend a lot of time having to explain to people, this is what's in Kubernetes and this is what's not in Kubernetes that you're going to need to make those environments work. And so maybe we can, you know, kind of talk around all of those areas um, and use the the three year anniversary as a uh, as a stepping off. Yeah, point. yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think as we go through sort of, uh, you know, three years in some growing pains, you know, lots of good stuff. And kind of you know go through what we're what we're seeing across the uh, across the whole project and community. Yep, yep. I, I, I think we can maybe we, we start with sort of people and community since obviously this is an open source project and projects don't get created without people's and community. So, you know, what have you seen kind of evolve over the last three years? What's working well? You know, where have you seen struggles? Let's let's just sort of start with with community and people. Yeah, I feel like one of the, the core sort of questions or struggles for any open source. Uh, community is, you know, between, you know, democracy, you know, versus uh, control and vision. You know, you see these, some open source projects like, like Docker's a good one example where basically one company controls it, 
Uh, they they decide the direction of it. People can are free to contribute, but you know Docker decides what's in or out um, kind of thing. Whereas other communities are are totally everything's up for vote. Everything it's very very democratic. Um, and there's there's pluses and minuses to both approaches, right? So it's it's finding and right. there's obviously a lot in between there. So I feel like the, the Kubernetes community has been trying to like find their way through that, uh, and, and I think done done a pretty good job up to this point of you know having the people that have been around since the beginning, like the you know uh, Craig's and Joes and stuff that that know where they think the project is and should be, uh, mixed in with you know allowing. Uh, as more new contributors show up, being able to have a voice in the overall say of of where it all goes. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I, and I think, you know, getting anything started in tech is a really hard thing. Um, the, the odds of, of success are, are always against you. There's always whatever exists today is is inertia against you. The you know the numbers of trying to catch up to things are always against you. So there's always got to be certain unique circumstances for things to, to succeed and then, and then continue to succeed. And so I think, you know, the, I think Kubernetes benefited from a, from a lot of things. I mean, part of it was, um, you know, unlike some other projects, which were sort of starting from scratch and had a big vision of what they wanted to be. I mean, Kubernetes to a certain extent had, you know, Borg and Omega to, to look at as, you know, known good entities. So it wasn't sort of completely reinventing the wheel. It was, you know, making the wheel available to everybody. So I think that, you know, kind of having, Web scale DNA built in was was really important and, and sort of unique to the project. Um, you know, I think the fact that Google, you know, it is so wealthy and is not dependent on their livelihood of, of Kubernetes being successful or not, I think was really helpful because, you know, when you have people like Brian Grant and Tim Hawken and some of the, you know, really, really smart architects working on it, and they're not worried about the quarterly numbers of, you know, if this thing grows 10x you know, I think they were able to make some really, really smart decisions about the project. And so, you know, when you, when you have situations like that, unlike, like you said, some other dynamics at play, um, those provide a really good foundation for, for things. And then, you know, the, the things able to grow beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, um, you know, by doing that also, I think what, like being able to not be as, you know, solely focused on a growth and sort of profit and how are we going to scale and sell this thing, uh, allows you to make decisions that keep the focus. So I think that's something you've seen where the, you know, the community is very like, this is, this is what Kubernetes is. This is what it does. Um, you can do some other stuff with it. And, and I'm sure when we talk to some of the technology bits about, you know, kind of how that, that opens that up, but that way it's not like, well, we need to let every vendor put their thing in because they're going to, uh, you know, they're going to have to make money on it too. So the only way we get them to work on it is if we let them put all their stuff in there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's helpful. I I think the other thing that's been sort of interesting for me to watch is I think the community has been, uh, humbled sometimes, you you know, and and it's interesting because people go, well, you know, if Google is involved, you know, Google has a tendency to to think about big things, but I, I would, I would argue that, that the community has been somewhat humbled a number of times by other projects, um, humbled in the sense of, you know, people looked at the functionality that let's say, uh, you know, Mesos had in terms of being able to go like, Hey, how do you put more, um, you know, stateful applications on tops of things, uh, looking at how easy it was to get Docker up and running and, you know, get like a swarm up and running. You know, I think the community a, a couple of times looked at that and went, wow, that's, that's really great. We need that. Right. And, you know, they, they went out and figured out a way to basically do the thing that, that the marketplace went 
and said, boy, I, I like Kubernetes, but I'd like it to be able to do like that other stuff, like whether it's easier to use or supports more applications. And um, I think that's been sort of impressive. I know other projects we've seen that the community said like, hey, why can't you just do this? And they've kind of run off in the other direction and reinvented something. Yeah, you've seen that. Or even it'll be like, well, then you do it. And it's like, well, no, I think this is where sort of that that not vendor centric mindset with with Kube as a whole. Obviously, there's plenty of vendors involved in it. You know, Google, everyone sell. You know, yep. Google does sell. You know, GKE, Red Hat. You know, these companies. You know, are are in it. You know, for those reasons, but it's but I think it's slightly different in that in that fact is that they're more listening to the end consumer. Um, saying like, hey, you know what? I I tried to play with Kubernetes, but it was really hard because I couldn't install it, and and this Docker is super easy and Swarm and stuff, and like, oh well, you know, Minikube and and you know that type of deal. That's I think different than you know in other places, which makes sense. The pushback is, hey, we think your project should have this thing because then I can plug into my say network thing that I can sell. And you're like, well, fine, you want to you want to make it do that, then you do the work to put that in. Yeah, you know, it wasn't saying I'm a user and I want this. It was I'm a vendor and I want to be able to plug my thing into it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I, I think a lot of those things. And again, you know, we we talk about them now as if they just sort of happened. I mean, making those things happen, having essentially you know the right balance between sort of benevolent dictator and allowing the community to work. Uh, you know, making smart architectural decisions so that you you know don't necessarily create a monolith, but you, you create enough functionality and then you have the right pluggability. Like I think a lot of those things could have easily gone sideways. Um, and so far they've, they've gone, uh, they've gone pretty well. So, you know, and then the, and the community has kind of grown where it does, it's got, you know, it's got a a structure for governance that is working. And, um, so yeah, I think from that perspective, you, you know, you can look at that and say that that's gone pretty well. What about like struggles wise? Have you seen like, what, what, what would you maybe point out that, you know, community-wise, you wish was maybe better, just better. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes you you laugh at some, you know, open source projects and you see where it's, you know, kind of the, the Lego movie theme is playing all the time. Everything's awesome. You can't criticize anything because, no, 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 this project's great. Everyone loves it. Everyone's using it. It's amazing. Like, well, we, you know, um, well, honestly, I think sometimes uh, Kubernetes is a little uh, too, you know, some of the community is a little too jaded. Right. Where it's like, oh, well, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, you can't install it that easily. And, you know, versus, um, you know, there's there's a lot of good things going for it. And I think sometimes people get down and, and I think that has the ability to scare off some potential users or uh, contributors because, you know, they're afraid that they're going to, uh, you know, oh, this this project seems like it's a mess because people are complaining about it. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing that that the community is still trying to figure out and. You know, I think it was the right thing to have a very clear governance model and everything. I think the marketplace is is struggling a little bit with trying to figure out like where does the Kubernetes community start and stop, and like where should the CNCF be involved? And you know, there's a whole lot of projects that are now in CNCF. Do I need all of those? Do you know, like is that a stack I'm supposed to have? I think that's an area that um, you know, again, sort of my opinion, but seeing talk in the marketplace of people trying to figure out like, do I have to use all those? If I'm not using all of those, am I somehow behind, you know, do, are all of them needed to make Kubernetes work? Like, I think there's some, there's some messaging and and so forth that probably needs to, to be a little crisper from uh, whether it's the CNCF or the Kubernetes community or both as to like, how do we keep making people successful 
without them feeling like overwhelmed with all of these other things. Because in a lot of cases, you don't need, you know, you don't need K natives today. You don't need, I don't know, something else um, to go be successful with Kubernetes today. And I think people need to kind of have a, a good sense of like what that, you know, yeah, what that and, really and I think like. a piece of it's, you know, kind of not even the community or specifically the Kubernetes community's fault. It's just sort of what people are used to, especially if they're coming from a project uh, like OpenStack, which was very batteries included, like it's all in there kind of thing. So I just need to find mm-hmm. out which OpenStack projects I need or whatever. Whereas here, like you said, there's the what's in Kube and then the CNCF is, you know, almost like the Apache Foundation in some way, right? Where there's there's even stuff that's unrelated to Kubernetes in there. So people are like, wait, is this more like, is all this stuff in or is all this stuff out? And it's like, well, no, it's it's sort of more of a building block approach depending on what you're using Kube for, which pieces you're actually going to use. But yeah, it definitely could be uh, yep. a little clearer for for newcomers. Yep, yep. Well, listen, let's uh, let's sort of move on to, to some of the technology in terms of Kubernetes. What do you, you know, again, sort of looking ahead and looking back at the last three years, what do you see as sort of the highlights for Kubernetes in terms of, you know, the core technology, the architecture, or maybe just like how it's been um, adopted? I think I think a big kind of value to me and kind of we've been seeing some of these discussions in the last week on online and and even some on some slacks about sort of the scope of kubernetes and this is something i think that that's been done really well from a tech part we kind of hit on a little earlier is founders of the project had a very clear vision of what kubernetes would be um not everything it would do or what it wouldn't but but a real focus on what wouldn't it do and what belonged outside of the project so i think by focusing and saying this is what Kubernetes does. It's a schedule. It's you know, designed for containers to be scheduled and orchestrated in this way. Um, but being wise enough to realize people are going to use it whatever way. You know, so like when Docker first came out, it was like, oh, this is just for you know, ephemeral contain- containers are ephemeral, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, people, the, the technology grows to the user base and you know, added things like you know, volumes and, and stuff like that to, to have persistence. Same thing with Kubernetes, where people said, well, hey, maybe I want to use it for some other things or I need to plug in GPUs or uh, whatever. The the way that it's been built to have that through things like CRDs uh, and such, so that way it can be extended if someone wants to extend it, but it's not part of the core code that keeps that, you know, it, you know, nice and nice and manageable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think more than anything, that's probably it. Um, you know, the combination of the scope of of what Kubernetes is, and and again, this is something we we constantly have to remind people of, like what's in Kubernetes and what's not. You know, things like container registry needed for Kubernetes, not in Kubernetes. Um, you know, how CRDs work, how the pluggable architecture for storage and networking works. I, I think that is is probably going to go. People when people look back at this, they'll look back and they'll go, "Those were those were some really really smart decisions that people made." And um, yeah, so I, I think a lot of credit should go into the, into that in terms of it's the lessons that Google probably learned internally for you know a decade plus you know came across in this, and that again goes back to when you have really smart people starting the project as opposed to people that are kind of trying to you know say hey I don't want yeah, this yeah, other I think, thing I think, you get different you know, results. It's it's. I think that's the you know, important thing is always trying to learn, kind of learn our lessons where we, where we, you know, had problems previously or other projects and, and, and applying them as you can to try and, you know, have things work out a little better. So there's, I think there's no perfect way to do things, but I feel like, um, there's a lot of, um, good decisions being made from a technology perspective of, you know, what's in, what's out and, and how to manage it. And I think a piece of that is actually comes from, 
I think there's a lot more adoption for like this time in its life cycle for something as sort of complicated as a distributed system container orchestrator. There's a lot of adoption. So I feel like there, you're getting a lot of real world um, feedback loop into the project to make sure things are being built. Again, not that some vendor wants, but like the actual users are using it. And I think you hit on the piece of, you know, Google having a lot of lived experience with, with Borg and, and Omega and stuff, knowing here's what the actual end users of the containers want and and use uh, help drive that. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that, that sort of surprised me is, you know, and you, and you brought this up previously, you know, some projects start off and they go like, this is, this is what this thing is used for. And they sort of, you know, focus on a certain use case and they're going to optimize around a certain use case. And I think to a certain extent, I, I've been, I've been really surprised at not a feature list that Kubernetes made, but the number of companies who are using Kubernetes and the kind of the breadth of what they do with it. I mean, it's, it's web applications and stateful. Yes. But you see people building, um, applications that take advantage, you know, mobile applications that take advantage of Kubernetes scale. You see people building IoT applications. You see people, uh, you know, starting to use more and more big data applications. We're starting to see databases get on there. And a lot of that is, th- is people just going like the core primitives that are in the platform without necessarily all these other things, right? Like this is all before people could figure out Istio, they could figure out Knative. Before, like none of that was there. And they're doing all these different types of things. That to me, um, has been really impressive. And that to me is, is why I always come back to saying like, yeah, n- nothing is a silver bullet for everything, but, but Kubernetes is proving to be a very unifying platform for a lot of different applications. And if you're trying to build sort of separate platforms for different use cases, you're going to put a lot of burden yeah, on your operations I, I, team. I mean, you even probably I really don't stuff need like to. Knative is a great, um, you know, example of bringing more and more of those, uh, use cases to the platform to, you know, things like adding GPUs, all these different ways to say really under the covers, most of the quote, cool tech, whether it's, you know, serverless, it's PaaS, it's whatever is building and running containers. <laughs> so if, you know, Kubernetes can do that at the core and you make it really, you know, uh, extendable in a way that, that makes sense, then yeah, why shouldn't it cover those use cases? I mean, we've been, you know, we've talked about before stuff, even like, um, you know, uh, Kubevert, where it's like, well, we can, it can manage VMs too, if it makes sense in this case. So instead of, hey, we're, you know, the project's going in the wrong direction, like the project hasn't really changed its core, it's just some of these external things are now, um, you know, using this model to simplify operations for, for places running it. Yep. Yep. Let's, let's look at the opposite side of that. Let's sort of look at the flip side of, you know, what's good. What's, you know, where are the challenges still for Kubernetes? Um, you know, what, what do you hear frequently from people that are like, uh, you know, is, is holding them back from using it when they would like to use it or, uh, you know, kind of the common things that people say, well, you know, we would expand yeah, our usage except for <laughs> um, something no, like it's, this. It's funny, all the different, um, which the, you know, Kubernetes system is very, de- it's very declarative, right? You, you say, here's a manifest to run this pod. Here's a manifest to create a service using that pod. Here's a manifest for deployment for that service and those pod, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, YAML, if you, you've ever worked with it much, you know, a missing space here, an extra space there and, and cause you all sorts of headaches. And that's why you see some tools like, um, um, uh, I believe Heptio made one to take uh, Jason and turn it into, um, yeah, and all that kind of stuff, and and I think the the oh, case on it, and- the 
that goes to sort of like the developer experience thing where it's very prescriptive. Um, but it's, it's not like Kube run my app kind of thing. And it just happens. It's, it's very, I, I need to, Hey, I, I want to even, you know, I think the people notice it when they do like a hello world, uh, they're, they're basically doing the, the, the Kube version of, uh, curl the bash, which is just, you know, Kube apply, you know, Kube control apply some URL that I copy and pasted from somewhere. Um, so I think, I think that's an area where, uh, right. you know, things, Things are are trying to improve to make it easier to get stuff up and running. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely hear about about YAML and manifests and and you know the the complexities of that or you know why was that chosen and um I, you know I, I still hear tons and tons about you know hey it's it's Tuesday there's another new installation tool or there's another new packaging tool and um you know we've made a lot of progress I mean you know we we've had templates in OpenShift for a while Helm has obviously grown very popular. We're seeing, you know, the emergence of things like operators, and uh, it's it's awesome that the community is is able to do those things. And I I think sometimes, you know, we as a community, there's a difference between like what feels like a problem for one individual, and then realizing like how confusing we've made it for people in the marketplace that are that are trying to go like I want to consume and use this, and um, so you know, there's there's times when when you sort of you you struggle in a community between saying like, hey, should we put together some best practices and people saying, well, those best practices feel like they skew towards, you know, something in particular. Maybe it's a vendor implementation. Maybe it's only one tool or whatever it is. But, you know, I, I think there is some opportunity for the community to figure out like, how do we present best practices of certain things, whether it's like, the most common way to do installations, the most common way to do packaging, the most common way to like back up a system. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of identify people like, Hey, this isn't the only way, yeah, but yeah, I think, know, I th- think the challenges we saw there, uh, was around K native. Uh, I saw a little bit of a, a hubbub about the installation instructions. So if you went there, it said, Hey, you want to use K native, um, you need kube and then you need SDO. Uh, so here's, uh, and then here's how you set it up. And the first instructions were like, if you want to use it with, you know, GKE, if you want to, and there was like a list of, um, different distributions. And I think it was Joe Beta. said, right. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, if, if it's all kube, why would the instructions be different? And some piece was it, they were, they were literally the exact same instructions, but the instructions also included like, here's how you install this thing. So here's how you install mini kube. And then here's how you do that. Um, and I think his point was was sort of well taken uh, from that perspective of if there's if it does vary there like it shouldn't so we should use this as like a checkpoint of oh it installs on everyone's system except you know Minikube for, well why oh for this it's like well should we fix Minikube then or you know for that for that portability piece of it yeah yeah and I, you know I think we're, we'll get to this maybe in like the, in the next topic we want to talk about but yeah I, I mean I, I think as we see more complicated scenarios coming into the platform, um, you know, Kube does a very good job of making certain things easier, but but there are certain things that are just going to inherently be complicated. They've been complicated for years and years on every platform they've ever been deployed on. Um, you know, we're, we're like, we can't magically make all complexity go away. And, you know, I, I think with Kube, People, you know, have seen some pretty amazing things. It scales to this. You just deploy, you know, certain things, and um, so you know, we're we're going to go through some uh, some periods where you know people are going to wish this new thing that does a million uh, permutations of 
different complex things is going to be as easy as just like deploying a stateless app. And it, yeah, I think that we may the, not necessarily you know, find that abstractions that, that to be are the good. Case. Um, simplifying things, uh, you know, inherent abstractions are all inherently leaky though, and sometimes. You know, trying to oversimplify a complex, you know, we're talking about distributed, you know, complex distributed systems we're building here, whether it's Kube itself or the stuff you're building on it. There's some level of complexity that's just going to be there. Uh, right. You know, it's like, oh, why can't it be easy as, you know, something like VMware? Right. It's like, well, that's basic clustering. That's not a complex distributed system. So, you know, it's it, this is just going to naturally be more complex. Right, right. Um Let's let's take out one more thing, sort of in this space. And again, not trying to to, to get negative around this, but we do. You know, it, it's it's now three years old, um, and as with anything, like every technology curve, you have early adopters, you have you know whatever they call it, like the pit of despair, or you know the you know the the laggards and so forth. Or you you know you have to cross the chasm. You know, we're starting to see some people that um, some are in the community, some are outside the community that are saying like, hey you know, here's where I want to push back on Kubernetes. It's, you know, I want to push back on complexity or I want to push back on, you know, this complex scenario not being super easy or, you know, we're, we're seeing a whole new chorus of people saying like, don't even get involved with any of that container stuff, just go to serverless. Like, how do you view this? Obviously, you know, you and I are heavily involved with containers, but I mean, how do you view some of this? Is it a distraction? Are they valid criticisms? Like how do you um, process I, I, some of these new so to me, know, complaints I, I or just gripes like or whatever it might be? The way to frame this kind of serverless versus containers, you know, kind of stuff is to me, serverless is the new PaaS uh, from the standpoint of, you know, and Heroku came along and, and those types of models and originally, you know, OpenShift V2 and, you know, Cloud Foundry and stuff like that was, Everyone, stop what you're doing. Stop messing with servers. Stop messing with anything else. Just write your code. It's magic. You don't need any stuff anymore. Just focus on that. This is all you need. Um, and and while they had some uptake, they it didn't become this new thing that replaced everything else. And a piece of it is, some of it is, things are more complex than that. And some of it is, you know, not taking into account people work differently and like different things and different use cases and software that already exists and how you support legacy stuff. And so I feel like it's just much more complex. So to me, there's a lot of great stuff in in these serverless models um, that you can take advantage of. But I've seen, you know, if you look at all the examples of serverless that are, um, you know, usually they're very task oriented. Obviously, it's event driven. Things like, oh, well, whenever someone uploads a new thing, we we index this database or whatever. It's like it's very straightforward, makes sense. Uh, but more of the like day to day, like I'm going to build an entire application just in serverless functions. Uh, they're almost all hello worlds because <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. It's still like, again, you can't, you can't get rid of all of the complexity. Some of the stuff is just naturally complex. So I feel like it's a mix and sometimes it's not always about the new shiny. It's about getting your job done and um, you know, being able to solve problems you have in the way that makes the most sense for you versus, you know, sort of like in a perfect world, it would all look like this. And, and so, so I see it's, it's, there's definitely valid criticisms of and looking at containers to be like, how can we make this easier? How can we make it less? Uh, but I, I also don't think the answer is like, well, th- that technology exists today and then people just need to switch to it. I, I don't think, you know, from, from playing enough with serverless, there's, there's a lot of holes in that model still too. Right. Right. Well, I, there are very, very few examples in in enterprise technology. You know, there are some things in consumer, you know, MySpace to Facebook or something like that, where you know something was was a big deal and it completely went away. Maybe you could point at like, 
you know, iPhone and Android to BlackBerry or something. But, but there's very r- few times when something completely replaces the other thing. And in the case of in the case of serverless, it replacing every new app that's out there. Like again, that's a if that's a hill you want to you want to make a case for. That's cool. I, I agree with you. I think the key to to dealing with some of the pushback on things is to is to look at it as, you know, how much of it's valid. Um, you know, just like we said, there's there's been times when the Kubernetes community has, uh, you know, looked at criticism, you know, ease of installation, whatever it might be, and and went and fixed it. And, and there's going to be other times when it's just, hey, there are always going to be people who are incentivized for various reasons, whether they just love the technology, they're financially incentivized to say like, hey, my yeah, new the, thing will get rid of your old thing. I think there's also one other kind of angle to that, which I think is really go, hard for you know, communities, not just Kubernetes, but communities so, like this is, I, you know, kind of that piece of, we'll call it legacy or, you know, customer says like, I'm doing this thing today. Like this Kubernetes thing sounds like it'll make my life easier but I have these other requirements that are sort of like I'm bringing over with my application and Kubernetes doesn't handle it. We need to, you know, it should have, you know, built in replication. It should have this and that multi-site DR, whatever. And I, and I think sometimes it's very valid to say, no, (laughs) like this thing doesn't do that. You know, this has a different model or should we bring, Oh, that is, that's a good, you know, that is something we probably should bring into it. And, And I feel like those are, those are always hard problems in any, because it's like, are you building weird corner case stuff or bringing tech debt? Or is this something that most people are going to want and make sense to fit in the project? And a lot of times there's not a clear answer. So there's a lot of argument around that. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, and I think, again, in in the past, we've seen this, uh, you know, the arguments when, you know, when things were starting to struggle and they were getting on the downside. I think the fact that, you know, Kubernetes is now a, a public service all over the place. Uh, it's extending from the public cloud to the private cloud. We're seeing it deployed with lots of different types of, of industries. Like, yes, you can argue that, that other things have a place. Um, but you know, it is, it is sort of hard to argue at this point that, you know, maybe, maybe you could argue, Hey, it's not growing fast enough for, for somebody's level of metrics. But, um, you know, I, I would rather see folks, Again, sort of jump in and help. Um, you know, criticism is fine. Criticism is fair. Um, you know, jump in and help or jump yeah, in and, and ask and I for, feel like you know, the, how do we make it better? Always, um, and, it's you know, easy kind to sort of, of, sort of take I saw on the other the, end of this, of road, uh, we saw this with, with OpenStack where, um, you know, the cloud found, not obviously not everyone, there's a lot of overlap in those communities and stuff, but you saw some people that were in the Cloud Foundry community that said, hey, yeah, hey, we're the, where's the new hot thing? Your thing is terrible and old and bad and we're going to make fun of it. Um and then what happens is always then your thing is old. Now here's a Kubernetes community and guess what? Now your thing is the terrible old thing and this is the new thing. You know, it's just technology. There'll be other things that come along. So like having that type of attitude isn't good uh, just in general. They're, you know, these are these are people trying to do the best they can, trying to build what they think is right and, you know, assume people have the best intention. So, you know, just sitting and, and criticizing isn't, you know, isn't overly productive. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's wrap it up with one last topic, one last uh, sort of area you know, if you're looking out a year and, and nobody has a crystal ball, but if you're looking out a year, um, obviously there's going to be lots of headlines about different aspects of Kubernetes, um, you know, whether it's, you know, serverless types of stuff or, you know, adoption or whatever it is. Like, 
how if you were if you were talking to somebody who's going to you know build use kubernetes not just a marketer media person like what would you tell them to pay attention to um, whether it's something I, they're going to get out of the headlines I right or the headline. I think we're things see a lot that of they should focus Istio, on to make their microservices you know type uh, discussion serverless i think that's where the headlines all be um, but i think if you really want to be successful is sort of um, keep your scope as small as you possibly can like Unless you really need Istio, don't use it. Unless you really need to, don't use it. Use as little as you can. Um, complexity is your enemy. Um, so you know, focus on your specific use cases where you can where you can improve it. And for some customers, it may just be as simple as, "Hey, we have this existing CI pipeline, and right now it builds artifacts that we dump into a repository, and then." Um, then from there we just go and uh, right now it's we someone copies it into virtual machines. Well, we're gonna you know, we're gonna make a little build pipeline to make containers. I'm like cool. Like you don't have to you know write a you know, take your monolith and turn it into ten thousand microservices to uh, to be successful. Yeah, no, I I would agree. I think um, you know we're going to see more and more companies who are putting Kubernetes into production. I think over the next year. So you know, like you said, I, I would focus on a lot of the basics. Um, you know, focus on creating as much as possible around your infrastructure to be immutable. Um, you know, the ability to, you know, not necessarily have to, to patch things, but, you know, kind of replace them. Um, that, that the ability, the tools to help you do that are, are either there or quickly evolving. Um, like you said, you know, spend a lot of time on your, on your CI pipeline. The more you can do that, um, the more you're going to be able to, to write software that you can put into production when you want to, but, but it's also going to force you to, to get your organization in the right way. You're, you're going to collaborate the right way between devs and, and ops, devs and tests. It's going to force you to want to do more automated testing. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is just as you're getting things in production, you know, sort of know the basics of, you know, how do I back up my Kubernetes environment? How do I back up the platform? How do I back up, you know, like etcd as a database? And then, you know, how do I start educating my internal people about just the basics of like, what does it look like to, to, to use a containerized application? Like, how do we do versioning of this? How do we, how do we tag things and stuff? So yeah, I, I think both, <laughs> we're both on the same page. Just focus on the basics, focus on the fundamentals, um, you know, focus on the things that'll make you successful. And, you know, if, if an Istio makes sense in that case, cool. But if it doesn't make sense, don't, don't, don't worry about being like, oh, I got to make an yeah. architectural yeah, decision I, if it'll yeah, be I think there. That's like, it'll, it'll just be there. Like, like, everybody's we need doing to figure out how we're going to fit GPUs into this. Like, that. well, slow down, buddy. Like, unless that's obviously you know you're you're doing some um, you know it's a use case that specifically needs it. Like, yeah, focus on focus on sort of the hygiene stuff, and it's not as uh, exciting, but I think it's definitely more powerful. Yep. Yep. Well, cool. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up with that. Um, you know, I think it's been a, a very good, a good three years uh, for Kubernetes. Congratulations to everybody who's, you know, was there at the start, who's worked on it, who's contributed to it, um, you know, is and is more importantly, is using it today, um, giving us feedback, uh, you know, having people show up to the events and meetups. And I think it's been a really good community in terms of the users, you know, being a, a really big part of it. So, uh, looking forward to the next year, um, folks. We, you know, we just looked at some numbers the other day. We crossed having about five thousand listeners for for each show each week. So thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. If you get a chance, rate the show on iTunes and give us some feedback or or whatever wherever you listen to it, whether it's like on Spotify or Stitcher or you know Google Play or wherever it is. Um, you know, give us some feedback. Give us some ratings. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.